Over the course of the next um, several months, uh, Brother Tim, Brother Jake, and I would like to invite you on a journey. I like to go on a good trip. Does anybody else like to go on trips? I'm always ready to go if you want to take me. We're going to go on a, a journey through the first book of the Bible. It's the book of Genesis. And uh, I invite you to pack your bag, hop on the camel with us, and let's learn and see what God has for us over the next few months. Uh, we pray that God will take Genesis, which we think we know, and just continue to enlighten us and capture our hearts with it. Um, the audio clip that we just heard uh, was from over 50 years ago. As a little kid, I can remember it, and I'm sure a lot of you may remember it as well. On December 21st, 1968, the Apollo 8 spacecraft lifted off from the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, the three astronaut crew, which we heard them read, was Commander Frank Borman, Commander Module um, uh, Pilot James Lavelle, and Lunar Module Pilot William Anders. They became the first human beings ever to escape the Earth's gravity to see the Earth as a whole planet. Can you imagine? To orbit the moon and then to return safely to the Earth. Apollo 8 took three days to reach the moon, then orbited the moon ten times over the course of 20 hours. During their orbit of the moon, which took place on Christmas Eve 1968, the crew made a live television broadcast, which we just heard from. And what did these three men say during that? They read the scripture. They read the Genesis account. And I don't know about you, but that gave me cold chills. I've heard it two or three times this week. But when you see it from that perspective, it just, it's, you can just feel the spirit. These guys opened up their Bibles and they read Genesis 1 through 11. And for a brief moment, they turned that into a pulpit. Now, the cool thing is, you think about the name Apollo. Apollo was a dashing pagan Greek god. But in that brief moment, the astronauts and all those bowed in worship and recognized as God, as the creator. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, these two verses belong to you, Father. And I just pray that you uh, unleash your Spirit in this place this morning. May we just learn more about you. Lord, just let us listen to you for these coming minutes, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This scripture statement actually staggers the human mind when you think uh, when you and I think as finite human beings um, being bringing our minds to that state statements like bringing a little teacup cup to God's ocean of truth this opening verse of the Bible is the foundation statement that we need to recognize it's the foundational truth of the whole entire Bible of the book of uh, Genesis of the Old Testament and without this verse the whole Bible would be like a, a high-rise building without the floors to it and no ground. It is our foundation. Without this statement in the Bible would be like building a bridge with no supports to it. You must have this verse if you're going to understand the rest of the verses of the Bible. 
That's a stark statement, but it's the truth. If you have this verse and you accept this verse, and if you believe this verse, then you'll have no problem ultimately believing everything else that follows in the Word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and in a way, it's a very simple verse we see. When you think about it, the complexity of what is dealt with here, and when you think about the vastness of creation, you look through the microscope and you see a world so infinitely small the human eye cannot see it yet. Then you look at it through a telescope and you see a world that is so marvelous, marvelously large. Man has never been able to go to its outer limits, and yet God puts it all together in these words, in the beginning, God. There's other places in the Bible that tell us the same thing. Psalms 22 reads, Before the mountains were brought forth or ever had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before anything or any of this was around, God was. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. In other words, God did not have a beginning. There was never a time when he was not, he has always been, and he always will be. We also see this in Revelation 1.8. It'll be very familiar to you. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What we're seeing is here one of the fundamental realities that sets God apart from us. We were created. There was a time when there was no us. But God is a creator. Nobody created him. He never came into being. He never started. There was never a time when there was no God. He's always been. And he always will be. And if you think about it for too long, it can start to make your head spin a little bit. We literally can't fathom this kind of eternal existence. And I came across a, a scripture in the book of Job which affirms that. It's in Job 36, 26, and it reads, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. Briefly, I'd like us to look at four truths this morning, and we'll get through these quickly. But there are four truths that we need to put into our bag as we travel so we'll understand where we're coming from. Number one, the universe had a definite beginning. It had a definite beginning. The text says, in the beginning. You know, when you start a movie or you tell a story, where are you going to start? At the beginning. It refers to the beginning of all created things. When the Jews named this book, they named it after the first uh, word of the Hebrew text, which literally means, in the beginning. Or as the title, the beginning, this is where everything starts. That fact helps us to understand that matter is not eternal. There was a time when matter as we know it didn't exist. The universe is not eternal. There's a time when the heavens and the earth did not exist. The things we see around us, the trees, the buildings, the cars we drive, the things we own, the mountains, the oceans, none of it has ever been here forever. Only God is eternal. Everything else had a beginning. Even time itself was created by God. The world is God's house. He left clues everywhere about his existence and the kind of God he is. That raises a question that children like to ask, and probably some adults would like to ask it too. Who created God? Well, the answer is 
No one created God. He was there before the beginning. He had no beginning. And he did not create himself. He was, he is, and he will always be. I freely admit that we cannot comprehend what that means. But know this. God stretches back further than the mind can imagine. He goes farther beyond the reaches of chemistry, biology, history, mathematics, or quantum mechanics, or the speculations of theoretical cosmology. He dwells in eternity, which means no telescope can find him, no computer program can define him. Truth number two, the universe was created, listen to this, the universe was created out of nothing. The Apostles' Creed, which we we recite here often, begins with these simple majestic words. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Ponder this thought, Genesis 1-1 tells us that God created all that we see around us. He created the sun and the stars and the moons and the planets. He created the comets and the asteroids. Scientists estimate that there are 4 billion stars alone in the Milky Way. (laughs) Scientists estimate that there are more than 100 billion galaxies with at least 100 billion stars. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but there's a lot of stars going on there. But imagine that. God hung each one of these into space and calls them by name. That's not my word. That's God's word tells us that. In 147.4, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. No wonder the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork in Psalms 19.1. God has left his fingerprints all over the universe and we'd have to be blind not to really see him. This world's God's house. He left clues everywhere about what kind of guy you think he is. Have you ever stood at the ocean? The very first time I went to the ocean, it's just like surreal to see the vast amount of water. God truly, he reveals himself. If you go to the Grand Canyon and you look at the the creation, wherever it may be, he is definite. uh, He is definite in showing us his greatness here on this earth in just his creation. He created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, like I said. There's a word that I had never known before Tim showed me uh, when we were preaching this week. It's called ex nihilo, which means um, out of nothing. God spoke. He spoke, and the stars filled the sky. He spoke, and the birds began to fly. He spoke, and the fish began to swim. And he spoke, and the roses began to bloom. He spoke And a snail, a little tiny snail, began to creep. Hebrews 11.3 explains creation this way. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. On the basis of Genesis 1.1, God is, God acts, and God creates. He's sovereign, he's almighty, he's omnipotent, He is supreme. Only God creates. We don't create anything. We take existing material and fashion it into something. We make things, but only God creates something out of nothing. Truth number three, all things owe their existence to God the creator. This third truth points to the previous two because God is the creator. He's also the owner of all things. Since God made us, he has the absolute right of ownership over us. 
At this point, we can gain a crucial insight as to why some people fight so bitterly against that. There's a term that my wife, having worked in the courthouse, brought up to me that I had to study because I didn't understand it. It's called sovereign citizens. Have you ever heard that term? There's people that say that they're sovereign citizens. In essence, what that means, they see themselves as answerable only to their particular interpretation of the common law. And it is not subject to any government statutes or proceedings. In the United States, they do not recognize U.S. currency and maintain they are free of any legal constraints. Did I define that pretty good, Jewel? Okay. But you think about that. Before we know Christ, we all think we're sovereign. We think we're in charge. But we're not. People want to be free. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. Live the way we want. Do what feels good. But if God created created us, guess who owns us? God does. If he owns us, then we are accountable to him for everything we say and do. And that's not a happy thought for a lot of people. As is so often the case, we get some good help on this point from dear old Martin Luther over 450 years ago. He asked, what does it mean to say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And here's his answer. He says, I believe that God has created me and all that exists that he has given and still preserves my body and soul, my eyes and ears and all my members and my reason and all the power of my soul together with food and raiment, home and family, and all my property, that he daily provides abundantly for all the needs of my life, protects me from all danger, and guards and keeps me from all evil, and that he does this purely out of fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me, for all which I am in duty bound to thank him, praise him, Serve him and obey him. This is most certainly true. Thank you, Martin Luther. Here's the last coin of truth that we're going to put in our pocket. True wisdom begins with Genesis 1.1. If we say we believe the Bible, we must start where the Bible starts, with the very first verse. Wisdom and truth and the search for God all begin right there. If you want to end up where the Bible ends up in the new heaven and the new earth of Revelation 22 then we better start where the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me put it another way. If you can believe Genesis 1-1, you won't have any problems with the rest of the Bible. I kind of touched on this earlier. This morning, we're at a fork in the road. God or dirt. To God or dirt. Either we directly... We're created by God, or we evolved over a billion years ago by the random acts of mindless, purposeless, materialistic evolution. Either we come from the hand of God being made in his image, or we come from the mud through eons of mindless evolution. It's God or dirt and nothing in between. You're free to believe what you want to. If you don't believe in God, you're forced to say that nothing plus nothing equals something. And truthfully, I think it takes more faith to believe that than it takes to believe Genesis 1-1. Everything begins with God. Life begins with God. Truth begins with God. Understanding begins with God. Wisdom begins with God. That's why Genesis 1-1 is the first verse of the Bible. This is where wisdom begins. Skip this. Nothing else is going to make sense. 
Skip this and you'll miss the central fact of the universe. Skip this and even though you graduate from Harvard or Yale, you'll spend your days nibbling around the edges of truth. You'll know the details of daily life, but you'll never understand where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going when you die. It's God or dirt and nothing in between. Nothing makes sense without God. I'm going to close here shortly with these words from John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That text takes us back before Genesis 1.1. Before creation, there was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And the Word, that is being Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, as John 1.14 says, why did God create the world? Because he wanted to. We are here because God wanted us here. Author Ray Pritchard writes of the Bible, and I love this. He says, first, there was eternal love. Then, there was a vast purpose. Then, there was a mighty creation. And then, there was a great fall. And then, there was a willing Savior. It's a very short distance from Genesis 1-1 to John 3-16. The God who created you also loves you. God created us, God loves us, and he made it possible for us to spend eternity with him. And so we join the Christians everywhere in proclaiming our belief in the very first verse of the Bible. We believe that God created us that he made us and we did not make ourselves, that God created everything that exists merely by speaking words, that God is at the center of everything, that God is supreme, and we therefore gladly bow for, before him in worship on Sunday mornings. In him we live and move and have our being. We owe him, we owe him everything. He alone is the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is where the Christian faith begins. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. I am so very thankful for every syllable of your word. I'm thankful for the first verse, the last verse. I'm thankful that you speak through that. Father, I thank you that you were the creator, that you created everything because you wanted to. You wanted us to be in fellowship with you, Father. Lord, I love you, and I just pray this morning, as we begin this journey through Genesis, Lord, that we'll learn more of you and your purposes and what you have done for us, Lord. And may we uh, just cheerfully share it with others, and uh, Lord, uh, may we just follow you. And Lord, uh, I just thank you again. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.